1: Part Two of the Cynical Miss Catherwaite by Richard Harding Davis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Part Two. Her determination was made so quickly that they had stopped in front of a huge pile of offices, sandwiched in one above the other until they towered mountains high, before she had quite settled in her mind what she wanted to know, or had appreciated how strange her errand might appear. "'Mr. Lockwood was out,' one of the young men in the outer office said, but the junior partner, Mr. Latimer, was in, and would see her.' She had only time to remember that the junior partner was a dancing acquaintance of hers, before young Mr. Latimer stood before her, smiling, and with her card in his hand. Mr. Lockwood is out just at present, Miss Carter, Wait, he said, but he will be back in a moment. Won't you come into the other room and wait? I'm sure he won't be away over five minutes, or is it something I could do?" She saw that he was surprised to see her, and a little ill at ease as to just how to take her visit. He tried to make it appear that he considered it the most natural thing in the world, but he overdid it and she saw that her presence was something quite out of the common. This did not tend to set her any more at her ease. She already regretted the step she had taken. What if it should prove to be the same Lockwood, she thought, and what would they think of her? Perhaps you would do better than Mr. Lockwood, she said, as she followed him into the inner office, "'I fear I have come upon a very foolish errand, and one that has nothing at all to do with the law.' "'Not a breach of promise, suit, then,' said young Latimer, with a smile. "'Perhaps it is only an innocent subscription to a most worthy charity. I was afraid at first,' he went on lightly, "'That it was legal redress you wanted, and I was hoping that the way I led the Cordairs' cotillon had made you think I could conduct you through the mazes of the law as well.' "'No,' returned Miss Catherwaite, with a nervous laugh. "'It has to do with my unfortunate collection. This is what brought me here.' she said, holding out the silver medal. I came across it just now in the Bowery. The name was the same, and I thought it just possible Mr. Lockwood would like to have it, or, to tell you the truth, that he might tell me what had become of the Henry Borgoyne who gave it to him. Young Latimer had the medal in his hand before she had finished speaking, and was examining it carefully. He looked up with just a touch of color in his cheeks, and straightened himself visibly. "'Please don't be offended,' said the fair collector. "'I know what you think.' You've heard of my stupid collection, and I know you think I meant to add this to it. But indeed, now that I have had time to think, you see, I came here immediately from the pawnshop, and I was so interested, like all other collectors, you know, that I didn't stop to consider— That's the worst of a hobby. It carries one rough shod over other people's feelings, and runs away with one. I beg of you, if you do know anything about the coin, just to keep it and don't tell me, and I assure you what little I know I will keep quite to myself. Young Latimer bowed and stood looking at her curiously with the medal in his hand. "'I hardly know what to say,' he began slowly. "'It really has a story. You say you found this on the Bowery in a pawnshop, indeed. Well, of course. You know Mr. Lockwood could not have left it there.' Miss Catherwaite shook her head vehemently, and smiled in deprecation. This medal was in his safe when he lived on 35th Street, at the time he was robbed, and the burglars took this with the rest of the silver, and pawned it, I suppose. Mr. Lockwood would have given more for it than any one else could have afforded to pay.